This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. And good afternoon, everyone. Uh, well, a beautiful day this afternoon. Still a little bit nippy, though. Um, and wow, how exciting, hey? Kelly Cup playoffs begin tonight. First round against the uh, Trois-Rivières-Nyon. A uh, really good team in their own right. So it's going to be interesting. They developed a little bit of a rivalry over the last year. If you've played or if you've attended any of those games, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So it should be a pretty exciting game tonight. I know there's a lot of people in this building who are pumped and ready for it. Um, so that's the exciting part of hockey, not to mention the fact that, uh, of course, uh, provincial playoffs uh, with the minor hockey leagues are underway all this week and some uh, exciting hockey to be had there. I've taken in a couple of games now uh, in that realm. So, um, you know, good on all the youngsters. They're having a great time and uh, really enjoying their uh, time playing against uh, all kinds of teams from around the province. And... Um, uh, sad news, of course, uh, with uh, Guy Lafleur. Uh, having grown up in Montreal, I know uh, what an icon he is and uh, how uh, the next game uh, in Montreal is going to uh, really pay tribute to uh, one of their uh, greatest known uh, players. So uh, anyone who gets to uh, take in that game tomorrow, I envy them uh, not pointing any fingers at anybody I know in the newsroom right now. So <laughs> there you have it. So there's my little hockey talk. Well, they could be one of the oldest unions still in active operation in the province. The Longshoremen's Protective Union has been around, or the LSPU, has been around for well over 100 years and is back in the news in recent weeks in a dispute with their employer, the St. John's Shipping Association. But who are the Longshoremen and what is the crux of their dispute? Well, my guest today is president of the LSPU, ILA, Local 1953. Chris Goss. Hello. How are you doing, Linda? Great. So for the benefit of our listeners, I mean, as soon as you say LSPU, I think most people in Newfoundland and Labrador will recognize that right away. But what is the Longshoremen's Protective Union? Uh, Longshoremen's Protective Union is the uh, union that represents uh, stevedores and longshoremen. People, most, most of our work is loading and unloading vessels. Uh, we started organizing in 1890, the year after the London Docker strike in 1889. Uh, we used to be on Victoria Street, uh, which is now the LSPU Hall. Uh, they sold that Union Hall back in 76, and we've been in a few places on Water Street ever since. Uh, when we had our railway, we had uh, five operations across the island. Uh, presently, we have an operation here in St. John's as well as Cornerbrook. Uh, we had up to 3,600 members at one time back in the 30s and 40s when a lot of stuff was still loaded and unloaded by hand. Uh, we Originally, our name was the Steamboat Laborers Union, and they changed the name to LSPU uh, shortly before 1903 when they got rubber stamped by the government in 1903. It took them 13 years to form the union here in St. John's. So it was, uh, I suppose you could say, a bit of a tumultuous time organizing the union at that time. There used to be a, a strike probably, there was probably a wobble or a strike every week or every second week until there was uh, some labor stability and the government got involved and 
started recognizing the union. And, uh, yeah, so basically our, our jurisdiction is representing people who load and unload vessels is our historical jurisdiction. That's a long and storied history, 1890. Yeah, the, uh, we affiliated with the International Longshoremen's Association, which is out of New York. Uh, we affiliated with them in 1968. Uh, so we're an, I, we're an ILA local. But we keep the LSPU in our name because of our Newfoundland heritage, and we were the LSPU before we affiliated with the International Longshoremen's Association. So we stand out a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, With that kind of history, going back to 1890, which is extraordinary when you think about it, um, is that like the oldest union in the province right now? I believe we're the oldest active union. I believe the... uh, Newfoundland Teachers, Newfoundland Labrador Teachers Association started in 1890 as well, but uh, I don't know if there's probably some discrepancies maybe in the vocabulary and the language because I, I believe they call themselves, they're considered a professional association where we consider ourselves a trade union, so uh, there might be just some discrepancies in the name there. Gotcha, but you're among the oldest. For sure, yes. So that's a lot of history, um, up to 3,600 members at one point in your history. How many members do you have now? Right now we have about 120 members of union card carrying members in St. John's. We have about, uh, I would say, between 50 and 80 uh, casual members in our casual pool and our temporary card pools. There are people that are being... Uh, 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 they're looking at union membership, people that are going through our ranks. We have we have five seniority levels here in St. John's. Uh, we have about 30 members in Cornerbrook as well. Uh, Cornerbrook, the Port of Cornerbrook recently got reactivated again. They had uh, uh, an investment from our federal government, the National Corridor Fund, and uh, they got a, a new crane and some new reed stackers and some... Uh, new uh, yard tractors out there so they're they're uh they're mainly moving cargo for the pulp and paper mill out there they're not really touching general cargo right now because uh there's a there's some there's some rules around canadian cabotage laws that protects canadian seafarers working on canadian vessels and uh right now uh the vessels that are going to uh cornerbrook are international vessels so they can't haul domestic general cargo and those, those rules are in place to protect our seafarers, and we support those rules. But uh, right now they're moving product for uh, Kruger, mostly pulp and paper product. And so what kind of work do your members do here in the St. John's region? Most of our our members in St. John's are, are two main employers of the St. John's Shipping Association. is uh, A. Harvey Marine Base and Ocean X. Uh, a. Harvey Marine Base has been a long-term employer of ours. OceanX really came on the scene in the early 2000s, uh, late late 1990s. Uh, OceanX has uh, has some uh, people from Newfoundland that are investors, and uh, they're also uh, one of their big one of their bigger shareholders. I don't know the percentage, but OP Trust, which is uh, the Ontario Public Service Employees Union, is also a shareholder in OceanX, and that's our two main employers here in uh, St. John's. The uh, the ongoing negotiations that have been going on since uh, October of 2019, which has been stalled by the pandemic, obviously, because we've had to cancel negotiations a few times because of the pandemic. But uh, our uh, negotiations is just primarily is just St. John's. It doesn't affect our membership in Cornerbrook. But uh, we're hoping to 
we're hoping to get things ironed out, but, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, collective bargaining is a long process sometimes, and uh, we feel we're being treated inferior compared to our counterparts in Halifax and Montreal. Uh, we want to be treated the same as them. We're, we're behind on wages, 5 to $6 an hour. Uh, it's... Uh, I guess I, I suppose you could say part of the reason is long, the long uh, time unemployment rate in Newfoundland could affect. I suppose it doesn't give us a position of strength throughout time, but uh, we have a proud history here, and we feel that uh, we feel that we should be treated as equals compared to our longshoremen in uh, Canadian ports. Uh, we also believe that. Uh, that uh, under the benefits and provisions of the Atlantic Accord, qualified residents of the province are to be afforded full and fair opportunity. So we see what we see in our offshore energy industry is we see ports of convenience opening up around our province where the supply boats are starting to go to ports of convenience. We feel they're ports of convenience. They're paying $15 an hour less than what we're making here in St. John's, and uh, we don't feel like that's consistent with the Atlantic Accord. All right, and I want to get into some of those uh, issues that you're raising there in terms of the dispute uh, when we come back after the break. My guest today on On Target is President of the LSPU ILA Local 1953, Chris Goss. We'll be back right after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. And my guest today on On Target is President of the LSPU ILA Local 1953, Chris Goss. Uh, and the Longshoremen's Protective Union, of course, represents uh, stevedores and others who uh, move general cargo and resources at the Newfoundland and Labrador docks, uh, primarily here in St. John's, but also in uh, uh, Corner Brook as well. And you were giving a little bit of the history there. And I was thinking as you were talking, Chris, that we haven't heard a lot from the union over the years, but it appears as though the LSPU is becoming a little more visible lately. Uh, you may, recently made a, a really interesting historic donation to the rooms last summer. And I think when you did that, it sort of, oh, yeah, they're still on the go. They're still out there. They're still doing this work. Um, is part of what's going on now part of, you know, bringing attention to the work that you do? Yeah, I think I think that's part of it. Uh, 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 Linda, you have to be uh, visible for sure when you're a trade union. You have to uh, be visible to represent your members' rights, and uh, you have to deal with government as well as business. And uh, you have to let them know what the issues are, and uh, to bring the issues about, uh, you have to be visible for sure. Uh, our last strike, just a little bit more on the history there. Our last strike was actually in 1964. I think the boys were out for about uh, 10 or 11 months, actually. Uh, we, but we have participated in some of the big strikes in our province, or I guess you could say the country of Newfoundland. Before Confederation, that we participated. We were instrumental in the 1918 Reed-Newfoundland strike, and uh, that was basically a general strike. They shut the uh, island down for three weeks in uh, May of 1918. And a lot of the people that participated in that strike were our war, war veterans that came back from World War One, And uh, we also participated in a strike in 1948. I think it was in October of 1948 with the railway, uh, people that worked on our railway. And that was uh, for five weeks. That was kind of like a general strike, too, I guess you could say. But we often hear in our Canadian media, we hear about the 1919 Winnipeg general strike. Uh, I think sometimes our Newfoundland history gets... Uh, 
kind of pushed aside. I suppose I suppose you could say that's that's just my personal belief. Sometimes uh, we get consumed by our Canadian media, and sometimes the Newfoundland uh, history, I, I suppose you could say, just kind of pushed aside because of it. But uh, that's uh, a little bit of our history with strikes. Anyway. So um, you held a recent strike vote. What precipitated that? Was that part of contract negotiations? And what are you looking for? Well, we... Uh, we we've, we've been in negotiations, like I said, since October of 2019. Uh, it's been a long process because of the pandemic. Uh, our members our members worked through snowmageddon uh, without a hitch when we had that eight day shutdown back in uh, the beginning of 2020. Our members have worked through the pandemic, loading and unloading vessels here in St. John's and uh, without a hitch. And uh, we've never been labeled essential service, uh, not here in St. John's. Uh, Ocean X got a declaration uh, of an essential service in Montreal in back in 2010. And actually, at the time, our, our provincial government was interveners in that CIA, Canadian Industrial Relations Board hearing. And that was just for the Port of Montreal, because at the time, the dockers in Montreal were on strike. Uh, the dockers in Montreal, Ocean X consists of about 3% of the volume of cargo in Montreal. And uh, in our port here in St. John's, Ocean X consists probably about 90% of the cargo here in St. John's. So uh, Ocean X is a bigger employer to us than what they are to the dockers in Montreal. But uh, what we're looking for is some wage parity with the dockers in Halifax and Montreal. We're being... Uh, the hourly rate right now in uh, Halifax for uh, longshoremen is $40.92 an hour. We're at about $34.50 an hour, so we're about $6 behind Halifax. We're about $3 behind the dockers in Montreal, uh, but they're about two years out on their contract as well. The dockers in uh, Montreal, they fought an essential service hearing with the Canadian Industrial Relations Board uh, for about a year. It ended last year, and the employer in Montreal lost the essential service hearing and as a lot of people know uh, when they went out on strike they got legislated back to work on May 1st so we feel that uh, sometimes there's an intrusion from government and uh, some of the tribunal processes uh, that intrudes with pre-collective bargaining which kind of takes away trade union rights and it's a violation of international labor organization conventions and some of the conventions, ILO 87 and ILO 98, which is freedom of association and free collective bargaining, that's, we feel that they're constantly being uh, interfered with by governments and some of the labor boards provincially. I guess you could say the Canadian and industrial relations boards federally. But uh, what, we're, what we're after is wage parity with those dockers that load and unload the same vessels we do. And uh, our benefits and pensions are somewhat subpar to some of the other longshoremen's locals in Canada. And uh, we, we're looking for union recognition as well. I mean, in our province, uh, like I said, we got, it's not it's, it's not just uh, Ocean X uh, Harvey's issue, but the Harvey's has an operation in Argentia, which doesn't recognize our union, but uh, we're the union. We're an original Newfoundland union. That's what we do is load and unload vessels. Uh, we don't intend on working in any other union's jurisdiction. There's uh, there's some issues within the House of Labor that have, have to be straightened out as well regarding jurisdiction. We see uh, unions raiding other unions' jurisdiction. We don't feel as a whole that that's good for the labor movement. 
and it's really uh, contributes to this race to the bottom. What we're after, we're after looking after our own work, and uh, we want a piece of that pie that we're after, which is loading and unloading vessels on this island. And uh, we have inferior benefits. We have uh, our most of our stevedore members here in St. John's. Uh, the only people that have dental is our maintenance people. We have uh, about 100 people that have no dental, and it's 2022 now. It's time that they have dental. And uh, we're always looking for improvements on our pension and benefits as well. And uh, uh, it's, uh, if, if people don't retire with a good pension, then it's left up to the government to look after those people. So uh, we feel that all workers should have a decent pension plan as well. So uh, that's some of the things that we're after. What kind of cargo do you handle? I think a lot of people who have ever visited the uh, Port of St. John's see that big, huge lot there where they see all the vehicles and that sort of thing. What what sort of uh, stuff do you handle? Uh, for OceanX, we're we're handling anything from automobiles to uh, heavy equipment. Uh, we we handle uh, uh, general cargo that comes into our stores, uh, Dominion, Sobeys. Uh, Costco, Walmart, any of the general cargo that comes in, mostly general cargo, but uh, we handle automobiles, quite a few automobiles and uh, heavy equipment as well. At our uh, offshore supply base at A Harbor Marine Base, we ship out everything to the offshore, everything from uh, tea biscuit to uh, probably a $20,000 uh, drill bit. So, uh, and we've been involved in our offshore down at Harvey's and Pier 17 since. Uh, the mid-60s when they first did the exploration wells, and we feel it's a, it's an important piece of our economy. And uh, I would say as uh, the membership generally is quite pleased that the uh, uh, Bay the Nord project got approved. And uh, we think that our provincial energy minister and our provincial premier and our uh, labor minister federally uh, did a good job advocating for uh, Newfoundland to get that project approved. And uh, we also realized that... Uh, uh, there's renewable energy that's coming, and uh, our province has potential for renewable energy. And e- Equinor is quite focused on uh, renewable energy as well. I know our some of our locals down in New York State, the ILA locals down in New York State, are kind of doing some of that work for Equinor with their wind farms down there. There's quite a big project, wind project, looking at starting up down in New York State. So uh, that's what we're looking at, Linda. So in terms of, uh, you know, the, the product that you unload here in St. John's, it does have implications, I suppose, for the entire province. If you're unloading vehicles, they're not just bound for Kenmount Road, they're bound for all over. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, I think I think generally OceanX is considered to haul in 50% of the freight uh, to the island, 50% of cargo, and... Uh, they say it's probably up to 75% on the Avalon Peninsula here. So, uh, and I, I guess, you know, from from our perspective, too, uh, when uh, last last year when there was uh, a slowdown because of the pandemic and OceanX generally has three vessels a week here in St. John's, uh, there was talk about OceanX looking for a government subsidy. Our members feel that if they never got... Uh, a subsidy when when they were looking for a subsidy when they were threatening to take one vessel off how can they be in essential service now they never got a subsidy back then and our provincial politicians at the time are saying that marine atlantic could handle 
a lot of the general cargo that OceanX could handle if they activated one or two of their vessels that they got tied up on the wharf in North Sydney there. But, uh, I, 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 you know, and that's the way we see it is, is we, we feel we have the right to strike. We, it's a Canadian charter, right? Under Section 2D and uh, Section 15, Section 2D is uh, the right to freedom of association. 15 is equality rights. So that's what we're looking for here in St. John's, the Dockers. Here in St. John's, we're looking for equality rights to for other Dockers. So uh, we feel that if we're taking a, if our right to strike is taken away, it's taken away our charter rights. And, and I want to get into that in, in our next segment, because you do have an overwhelming strike mandate, but you're not going on strike, at least not in the foreseeable future. And I want to ask you a little bit more about that and what's been going on there when we come back after the break. My guest today on On Target is president of the LSPU ILA Local 1953, Chris Goss. We'll be back right after this. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to Irish NL at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. And we're back. My guest today is president of the LSPU ILA Local 1953, Chris Goss. And Chris, uh, back in March, you received an overwhelming strike mandate from your members, but uh, your strike position has been stalled. What happened? Yeah, so uh, our uh, collective bargaining conciliation uh, there's a 21-day cooling-off period uh, when you conciliate. Our concili- conciliation, 60-day conciliation period was over March 20th, so we had a strike vote on March 16th. Uh, we had 98% of our membership show up for the strike vote, and 100% of the members voted for a strike. So after after uh, the conciliation was over on uh, March 20th, there's a 21-day cooling-off period before you can actually give legally give strike notice uh so that would have brought us up till april 11th uh so the employer the saint john shipping association saint john shipping association they had a an application for a determination on essential service actually put into the canadian industrial relations board uh during our negotiations but they held they had it held in abeyance but uh, a couple of days before April 11th, they took it out of abeyance, which means that they're, I suppose you could say they're activating the file and they want the Canadian Industrial Relations Board to make a determination on whether our service that's being provided here in St. John's is an essential service or not. Uh, ironically, we've been, our local here in St. John's has been involved in an essential service hearing with OceanX on their two Montreal vessels, which are actually United Steelworkers bargaining units, and uh, we were interveners in that, and that's still ongoing, actually, and there's going to be final arguments in that essential service hearing heard uh, at the beginning of next week, and uh, they uh, they also had a strong strike mandate to, to seafarers that work on the two Montreal vessels, so uh, I don't know, it, bring, it brings in the question that's from our perspective, I suppose you could say, is, as our union and our trade unionists and our members, we feel that it's really a stall tactic by the employer. Uh, we feel that if, if OceanX was essential, uh, they would have got a government subsidy when they were looking for it, when they made the threat to take off a boat during the height of the pandemic uh, back in 2020. Uh, and, uh, you know, our, our offshore... Or offshore, well, there has to be uh, 
I, I suppose our members would have to work out some kind of a solution for our offshore, but we feel that uh, we don't want to, we don't, we don't believe our workers that work on the offshore platforms or the offshore vessels uh, should ever go hungry. But uh, we feel that uh, people that work on our docks should be paid somewhat similar equivalent wages and uh, benefits to our people that are working offshore as well. So any idea now how long this uh, Canadian Industrial Relations Board process might take? Well, I think the, uh, like I said, the dockers in Montreal, they fought an essential service service hearing at the board uh, for about a year and a half. Uh, the employer, the employer in Montreal, which is the Maritime Employers Association, I'm, I've been told that they've actually spent they spent almost three million on that essential service hearing, and they lost it. Uh, the Montreal dockers went on strike, and they actually got legislative back to work on May first of last year, which is, as everybody knows, most trading in this know anyway that it's, May first is International Workers' Day, and. Uh, the uh, United Steelworkers Essential Service hearing for the two Montreal vessels. That's been about. That's been ongoing for probably about a year and a half as well. So it's. Uh, it could take probably anywhere. I, I would think, Linda, from six months to a year for sure. And what would essential service designation mean for your members? Well, uh, I, I guess it, it, it would. It would depend on the determination of the board. But uh, basically, it could take away our right to strike. And uh, if, if they take away our right to strike, then I guess the issues that can't be resolved would have to be decided by binding arbitration. But uh, it depends what type of, uh, what, what kind of decision the Canadian Industrial Relations Board would make, I guess, you know, because there's, there's an unfettered strike model where they don't interrupt. If, if there is a strike, they, they, don't, they don't plan on that. And that's what we want as trade unionists because we feel that it's our right to strike. So we would want an unfettered uh, designation. There's a no-strike model where they, some of our essential service uh, nurses and firefighters and police officers in our province, they have, uh, some of them are labeled essential where they, they have a no-strike model and they're subject, subjected to uh, finding arbitration. And then there's the control strike model where maybe portions of your work you can strike, but there is maybe there's certain containers on the vessel that come in that have to come off, so maybe medical or uh, things that would be considered a serious danger to the public if they weren't on the shelves here in the store, I suppose you could say. So do you have a role in this Canadian Industrial Relations Board process? Are you able to, um, you know, make representation there? Yeah, so right right now uh, the employer is making submission a submission, and then we we can we put in our own submission. Our legal counsel puts in a submission on our behalf, and then the, the applicant puts in the final submission, and then they decide if they're going to have a hearing or not. So basically, uh, our legal counsel has legal arguments to suggest that probably that they shouldn't have a hearing, but we'll have to see how that goes. But uh, and then if they have a hearing, then they uh, they call people and witnesses, and they have a hearing that both parties can cross-examine witnesses, and uh, the CIRB basically holds the tribunal like they would a court case and makes a decision on whether they think it's an essential service or whether essential ser- service should be granted to the applicant who puts in the application. So this stalls any attempts that you've been making to achieve that wage parity you were talking about? Yeah, we, we believe so. We believe it curries favor to the employer. Uh, 
they have the right to apply for it as per the Canadian Labour Code under Section 87.4 of the Canadian Labour Code. But uh, we like we like to say it's uh, it's uh, there's been uh, tribunal intervention and government intervention. We've seen government intervention in our uh, postal workers back in November 2018 when they were trying to get. Uh, a fair collective agreement that our government legislated them back to work. We've seen it again last year with our uh, with our dockers in Montreal, where they got legislated back to work. Uh, these are these are violations of Canadian charter rights, and it's also a violation of, uh, like I said, international labor organization conventions. And these conventions are ratified by our federal government, and then and then at the same time they. They don't really, uh, it seems like they're curry in favor to the employers when the time comes and uh, with back to work legislation. And, uh, you know, it's uh, according to the Canadian Foundation for Labor Rights, a serious erosion of the fundamental and universal human right to organize into a union and engage in free collective bargaining, now, Linda. And uh, federal and provincial governments in Canada have passed 224 pieces of legislation since 1982 that have limited, suspended, or denied collective bargaining rights. And, uh, you know, our uh, that's our job here in Newfoundland. We're on an island here, and uh, that's what we do. We load and unload vessels and uh, all the supporting jobs that go with that. And uh, if we go on strike here in St. John's, it's, we have about 200 people within our union. Some of Most of them are members, but we have people that are being prospected to be members, which is who it affects. It affects our maintenance people. It affects the truck drivers that come and go to OceanX and all the associated jobs with it. And uh, really, at the end of the day, all we're looking for is uh, wage parity and decent decent wages and uh, decent jobs for our members. And, uh, you know, we don't feel that sometimes it's uh, consistent with the decent job strategy for our province to have uh, members' collective bargaining rights being taken away. I mean, we all, work, we all want to work in an inclusive and stable work environment that provides fair wages, uh, respects workers' rights, uh, invests in workers' growth and development, and values workers' inputs and contributions. And uh, sometimes when we see that uh, we're making 5 or $6 an hour less than dockers in Halifax and uh, dockers in Montreal, get a, they get guaranteed hours and they have a they have better benefit package than we do. We don't feel that that's being. We don't feel we're being valued, and uh, it's time for uh, our government and our businesses to value the workers, especially the ones that have worked through the public health pandemic that's been going on for the last two plus years. And uh, that's where we're at with it. We're and like I say, we feel that uh, they do have the right to apply for essential service, which they have, but. Uh, if we're going to take anything less than what Halifax and Montreal dockers are getting, we feel that it's uh, not, we'll be treated subpar. And they just they just uh, celebrated the 40-year anniversary of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which uh, Prime Minister Trudeau's father came out with back in 1982. Uh, we feel that it's a violation of our charter rights. We feel that it's a violation of the ILO conventions that our federal government has ratified. Uh, we we currently have a labor minister here that probably I, I believe Seamus is probably the first federal labor minister that we've had I believe so, but he's he's local here in our riding he he's uh, he's quite aware of the issues but uh, I think people have to understand that uh, it is a process that the labor minister only has so much authority so it's, uh, it's I guess it's about going through the process but. Uh, 
sometimes, you know, the old saying goes, there's nothing conceded without a demand. And our demand is that we be treated with equality compared to the Montreal and Halifax dockers and uh, have some wage parity there. And uh, we, we demand our provincial politicians recognize our historical jurisdiction on this island. Uh, back, like you said, in June 17th of 1939, King George VI came back, came here for a visit. Uh, he met our president, uh, William Sullivan, at the time. And, uh, you know, our members fought in the First World War. We lost men in the First World War, the Second World War. We lost men in the Korean War. The LSPU has been loading and unloading the docks here since, like I said, the late 1800s. So we just want our union to be recognized. We're not looking for too much. We just want our piece of the pie. And we want our members to be treated in St. John's with uh, the dignity and respect that comes with a decent job. And uh, we don't feel we're asking for we're not, we're not asking for the world. We're just asking for some dignity and respect. And uh, there's always hope, too. And, uh, I mean, when you see... Uh, the Amazon workers down in the States have just organized a warehouse down there. And you see Starbucks uh, coffee uh, shops organizing down in the United States. And we had our uh, we had our, our nine workers for Choices of Youth for NAEP reached a collective agreement yesterday. So that's, that's a sign of hope. And uh, we try to, we our, our struggles of the past provides inspiration for us, Peter. I mean, back in 19, 1907, they had a docker strike in Belfast. There was an 1889 docker strike in London, which I guess provided the inspiration for our our members who started our union to start organizing in 1890. There was a Dublin lockout in 1913 with Jimmy Larkin and James Conley. Uh, I heard on the radio earlier this week one of our... Uh, uh, some local people here read out the proclamation of the Irish Republic uh, for uh, the Easter Rising, which a lot of people look, looked at it was the working class people of Ireland challenging uh, imperialism. And, uh, you know, we've, we've always been a non-sectarian organization of the LSPU. We fly the green, white, and pink flag is our flag. It's been our flag since the early 1900s. Uh, but we've always been a uh, non-sectarian organization. We've always had Catholics and Protestants within our organization, probably 50-50 split throughout the mo- most of the time. But now we have Muslims and uh, different religious uh, people with different, different religious backgrounds. We have all different people of color. But the, the working class struggle affects us all, you know, Linda. And, uh, you know, back back even in, uh, in 1960, Sixty-three, June 11th, 1963, John F. Kennedy, in his address to the nation on civil rights, he said, the heart of the question is where all Americans are to be afforded equal rights and equal opportunities, whether we are, work, we, whether we are going to treat our fellow Americans as we want to be treated. So I guess you could put that in the Canadian and Newfoundland context as well yeah. from our daily struggles, right? But uh, we don't think we're asking for too much, and... We feel that the charter, the charter rights should prevail, and uh, the human rights and the uh, ILO conventions should prevail. Prevail, and we'd like to see our, uh, we'd like to see our provincial government or, and our federal government recognize ILO Convention 137 as well. And the ILO Convention 137 is uh, 
the Convention on Dock Workers' Rights, and uh, that was actually uh, initiated by the UN back in 1973. So, okay, uh, Chris, we're way overdue for a break. Dave is uh, waving at me frantically okay. on the other side of the glass. We'll come back right after this. My guest today on on Target is President of the LSPU ILA Local 1953, Chris Goss. We'll be back right after this. Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The Cabin Party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. on VOCM. And we're back. My guest today is the president of the LSPU, ILA, Local 1953, Chris Goss. And he's been talking a little bit about the situation his union is facing currently. And Chris, you had mentioned that the employer does have the right to apply for essential service designation. Um, But you seem to be indicating that there could be some wider implications here. What are those? Well, uh, if it's... uh Basically, the the implication to us is we can't strike, so it's uh, we feel stri- the right to strike and the strike is actually part of the collective bargaining process. But the wider implication for us is we have to wait for a determination to be made by the board whether uh, some of our activities are essential or not is uh, the wider implication. And it, basically, we're stuck with our old, old collective agreement until uh, a decision is made by the board. And uh, I guess it would be determined whether we strike or whether we're uh, we have to go through uh, binding arbitration i guess you could say and so uh, i guess what's your message to uh, your membership oh uh, we feel the interference with the right to strike is a serious matter linda uh, which our union will fight vigorously to protect uh, we will pers- we will be pursuing all complainants made by the St. John Shipping Association in order to protect that right to strike. And, uh, you know, there's several key issues that remain to be resolved in this bargaining process, and they include family sustaining wages, benefits, pensions, uh, union recognition, and retention of uh, work practices. And uh, we're trying to achieve this similar rates of pay compared to uh, what the employers pay in Montreal and Halifax. And, OceanX is getting their vessels loaded and unloaded in Halifax in Montreal. They have no trouble paying the rates up there. How come they can't pay them the Newfoundlanders here in our home province? And they advertise that they're a Newfoundland company. Is there a difference, though, in the volume uh, that's being unloaded? Obviously in Montreal for certain, but uh, in Halifax as well? Uh, There's not a difference in the volume on the uh, OceanX boats, but they're bigger ports, so they get international... uh, they get international uh, container ships there. So there's a difference in the volume of the work, obviously, but there's, uh, uh, I think I think Montreal has 1,500 dockers and uh, Halifax has about 500. And we're about 200 with our temporary cards and casual pools. So it's, uh, it's all relative that way, but uh, OceanX is paying the rates in Halifax and Montreal, and they can't pay them here in St. John's, Newfoundland. And they're supposedly a Newfoundland company, and but they don't want to pay us Newfoundlanders the, the going rates, and that, that's and we have an inferior benefit plan, especially our health plan is quite inferior to uh, the mainland dockers, and uh, we have a problem with that. We have less than two minutes left. Final thoughts? Uh, I, I think I think I think our governments have a role to play. I think our politicians have a role to play. Uh, we're looking for equality, and uh, we're protected by our charter rights. Uh, we have a long history on this island. 
we were recognized by King George the Sixth. Six, not that I'm a, I'm not a big monarchist person, but uh, uh, we were recognized by our governments previously. We've had, we've had members that have served in many conflicts representing our country of Newfoundland before we joined Canada and since. We've joined Canada, and uh, we're looking for our piece of the pie, and we, we expect to be treated as equals within the Canadian, can, the Canadian, uh, the country of Canada. And uh, we're not asking for too much, but uh, we, we feel that uh, as Newfoundlanders, we're not being treated fairly, and uh, we will protect our right to strike, and we'll do whatever we have to do to do that, Linda. And uh, we wanted to thank you for the time today to discuss this issue with us, and uh, thanks for having having me on the show. Uh, appreciate your time, Chris. Uh, Chris Goss is president of the LSPU ILA Local 1953. Uh, and uh, I want to thank everybody for listening this week. We'll be back, of course, on Monday. We're going to talk um, health care and collaborative health clinics. So stay tuned for that because there's been a lot of questions about those and how they work. Uh, so we'll have all the details for you on that come Monday. Have a great weekend.